I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Oh, wow. That was that was a nice one, Erica. I like that one. Well, I'm being very pleasant because of what this episode contains. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Well, we're in the middle of spooky season. Spooky season. Spooky season. It's really the beginning of spooky season because I think we're going to try to stretch this bad boy out through November, aren't we? Oh, well, always. I mean, it's it's always spooky season in our world. So, you know, but uh, but uh, but I like that we're we're focusing on it for this one. So. Yes. No, I'm super, I'm super excited about this episode. So oh, giddy. So I, I gotta let you, I gotta let you do this. Otherwise I'll just, you know, fanboy babble over this whole next you know hour. So yeah, well, I know that it's keeping the Muncie under control. Okay. So without any ado whatsoever, our <laughs> amazing guest today, I used that properly, by the way, I looked it up. Um, our amazing guest today is from Hillbilly Horror Stories jerry paulie yeah and, and oh. much much more <laughs> are you letting me you. do this or not mr i'm Monty? sorry erica i'm sorry okay jerry welcome to the podcast well i appreciate uh the two of you having me on thank you so much thank you so much for being here so i want to start because mark is a huge fan and i know he's if people could see his face which we're not going to post for many obvious reasons in a moment here, um, they would see how excited he is to have you on here. But for those that may not be nearly as familiar as Mark is, since he apparently stalks you, um, <laughs> what is what is Hillbilly Horror Story? What are, where, where do you come from, so to speak? Your origin story, I love it. Well, we've been a podcast, and I say we because it's myself and my wife. So we're kind of a team, just like Mark and, and his wife are when it comes to artwork and books and stuff like that. So we started this a little over seven years ago. I started with a different partner for eight or nine episodes. Tracy had to fill in. And once she filled in, that's kind of the direction we decided to go, including the other partner. He thought it was best that we move on in this direction. But we are mostly paranormal. We do cover some uh, eerie true crime, if it's got like satanic cults or something like that involved. Uh, and we cover the unknown stuff like uh, Dyatlov Pass that people just, you know, if it's kind of eerie in itself, we try to cover that kind of stuff. But like I said, mostly paranormal. And, um, you know, we have been uh, very blessed. Uh, we've been on some major shows in the past and it's uh, helped us grow uh, exponentially. And now we're... Uh, I guess probably one of the top paranormal podcasts in the world and have over 23 million downloads. Wow. Wow. Something to aspire to here on right. Travels. Right. Yes. They, they, they were they were nice enough to have me on for an episode. So I don't know if that tanked your ratings or not, but uh <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Sometimes... Yeah, we, we had we had Mark on during a uh uh hurricane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was right right in the middle of it. So that's how we do it. That's how we roll in Florida. <laughs> but you're not in Florida anymore, Mark. You can't claim no, to fame that. I'm in Appalachia now. So, you know, but hurricanes still come up here. They're just not scary anymore. So <laughs> tell that to the people encountering them. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Jerry, what got you interested in paranormal? Where did that start? 
Well, I think it definitely goes back to my childhood. When I was about 13 years old, I moved into a haunted house. Not on my own. My parents bought the house. I was just along for the ride <laughs> at that age. <clears throat> and about a year after we moved in, we started encountering uh, some things that lasted about five years. And that's what really kicked off my interest in the paranormal. Well, so did it, it started a year after you moved in? So it wasn't like immediate? No. And, and you know, there's a funny story behind that. And, and I really don't think I truly understood until years later after I really started doing the podcast. Now, what I mean by that is after we moved into the house about a year later, my great grandfather passed away. This was my mother by all 10 purposes. It was her grandfather, but this was basically her father. Uh, she had an absent father growing up. Her great, her grandmother and grandfather raised her. So at, at this point that she saw them as her maternal and paternal figures. Uh, when he passed away, it was devastating to her. More so than I think I've ever seen a death take a toll on anyone. Oh, wow. She, my mother was one of these uh, happy-go-lucky women. We would just, uh, she's always singing and dancing and, and we would just pick up in the car and just go random places. And that was her. Once this happened, there was like an immediate depression that set in. Now, I knew nothing about depression. We're talking about, you know, the, the mid 80s. And depression wasn't looked at the same way back then. Yeah. You know, depression back then was, you know, hey, get up off your butt and go do something. You know, it's you, you quit sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. That was depression back then. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that she was going through depression until years later, as you get older and start realizing some things. So she's going through uh, a really bad state of depression. She wasn't eating. She developed esophagitis, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the stomach uh, acids come up through your esophagus and it basically does so much damage. She had to go on uh, a baby food diet, soft food oh. and baby food because she couldn't eat regular food. Uh, all this was due to her, you know, what she, I mean, really realistically, she's doing it to herself because her, but she's putting her body through hell from the mint for, because of the mental aspect of grieving. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, four months later, her grandmother passed away also. So she oh, lost no. both of them in a four month period. And my mom was never the same after that. So I'll go back to the first thing that happened. It's we're, we're sitting in the living room. It's myself and my mother. We're the only ones home at the time. And we have one of those, you know, big antique lugs of a, a console television. Oh, yeah. It's on it's on one end of the house on the wall on in the living room. We're on the other end of the living room. I'm sitting in a chair. She's sitting on the end of the couch. And then there's a, a, a table between us. I'm drawing. Uh, I used to sketch all the time back then. So I'm just kind of sketching. She's on the phone. To the 700 Club. The uh, <laughs> religious network. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the television and they got a prayer line up on yeah. the television and she's called this line and she's talking to somebody. 
Now, I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. The television is probably eight feet from us. It's a pretty decent sized living room, but it's about eight feet from us. On top of this television is a small chair. Now, I say chair because it was um, it was a pin cushion, actually, that a lot of people back in that day and before, if they were sewers, they would have one of these. So it was a red chair. It was uh, it was padded and it was all laced up and the, the little seat would lift up and that's where you would keep your uh, thread and stuff like that. And then you would just stick the needles wherever. Well, she used this as a decoration. I mean, it's it, it would sit in the palm of your hand. It's not very big. We had been recently doing some work on the house. So we had our house numbers, which was an eight, a zero, and a two, metal, not plastic. They We had pulled them off because we were doing some painting or something out there, and we'd yet to put it back on. So they were sitting on top of the chair, had a little weight to them. We also had a full bottle of Elmer's glue. This is how well I remember this 37 wow. years later. Yeah. It's sitting on top. So when I, I'm telling you this to let you know, this little chair is weighted down, okay? Mm-hmm. As my mother's on the phone with this 700 club, this chair pops up into the air about two feet and it lands four or five feet away in the middle of the floor. This did not fall over. No, It didn't nope. just fall off. It landed in the middle. It had to get some distance in the air to do this. I remember my mom and I just turned and looked at each other with that. Did you just see that? Look. <laughs> yeah. It was obvious we both did. So she tells the prayer line, I need to go. <laughs> and she hangs up the phone. And we get up and we pick the stuff up. We talked about it briefly about what could have happened. But neither one of us had any answers, so we were just freaked out and let it go. And that night, this was probably, by the way, seven, eight o'clock. Right. That night, I had already gone to bed. It's about 11 o'clock. It's a school night. She comes into my room and she wakes me up. She says, hey, I'm hearing some weird stuff up in the attic. Can you come in the living room with me? Now, you have to know, first of all, my mom is not typically scared. She grew up in uh, uh, in Faraday, Kentucky. It was kind of country back then. Her great uh, grandfather and grandmother, as I told you, um, her her grandmother was half Cherokee. Her great grandmother was full blooded Cherokee. Uh, her grandfather used to live in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky, and used to talk about witches and stuff all the time. And when my mom had her appendix burst when she was seven. She swears that she had a near-death experience, and when she was a little bit older, swears that she saw a spirit coming down the steps at one of her uh, relatives' house. So this was not something, she was not freaked out by the supernatural. She welcomed it. Strong woman. I go in the living room, I hear absolutely nothing. And I'm thinking, she's just freaked out from earlier. You know, and I keep in mind, I'm like 14 at the time. But I'm thinking she's just freaked out from earlier, so she's letting it get to her. I go back to bed after about 15 minutes of not hearing anything. The next night, she comes in the room again about the same time. Hey, I'm hearing these things again. Well, this time I had barely made it into the living room when I heard what she heard. Our attic was not an attic that you could typically use. 
there were uh, the joists up there, uh, but there was no plywood or anything to be walking around. So every six feet or, or I guess it was every three feet or so you had a beam and, but there was, you had, you could, if you stopped in the middle of one of those beams, you've just going straight through the floor because there was nothing to keep that from happening. So we would use it to store like a Christmas tree box, for example. Yeah. It wouldn't, you know, wouldn't go anywhere, but there was nothing of really any substance up there other than like Christmas decorations and stuff. The sound that we heard sounded a lot like wood on wood, as if you had a wooden floor and you were scooting a heavy dresser, you know, that fingers on oh, a yeah. chalkboard kind of sound. Oh, I don't like that at all. Oh, I just heard it in my brain. Oh, I don't like that. No. Okay. I've already, I would have already noped out of this house. I would have already burned it down and left. That would have been, I, Mark knows. I would have been like, and I'm gone. I'm leaving. Here we go. Well, there was, there was nothing up there that could have made that noise. That yeah. was the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, we just basically just was like, we were dumbfounded. I don't know what that is. And it went on for a while and it eventually stopped. Um, now, I'm telling you this to get to another point, which was a long way because you probably don't forgot this point by now. This is the reason why I think now that it started a year later. I think that my mother was actually causing all of this through like poltergeist activity because of all the stress that she was under. Yeah. And I think that's why it took a year because that's when all the problems in her life, traumatic things started to happen. Um, you know, that, no, I don't know why it sense. stopped five years later, but it, it, that's what it did. Was she better five years later? I mean, not, you said that she never fully recovered, but did she get to a better place five years later? She was, but not at a great place. Uh, I, my mom had medical problem after medical problem after medical problem. She ended up dying, unfortunately, at the age of 54. Um, mm. And and it was just, I, I literally think everything that she encountered medically was all brought on from this time. Now, could it, could it have been negative energies spurring it along absolutely that could it, there could have been something in the house to begin with and it just didn't have anything to feed off of until she hit that part or it could have been poltergeist but i you know if you know anything about poltergeist typically there's a teenager involved usually a, usually a, a female and it's usually about the time that they're going through puberty and and uh, going through that stuff, that's usually when the, the emotions are strongest and things start happening. But people tend to think that poltergeist activity is not a spirit at all or a, a ghost or an entity. It's it's the person that's going through the difficult times or the emotional times actually um, causing things to happen with their own brain. And, you know, that it's happened before with, with people that aren't necessarily uh, young females, but it's very rare. But there are cases, like there was an Indi uh, an Indiana poltergeist situation where it was an older woman, I think in her 60s, that they believe was causing it. But it's not very often, but I, I do think that's what was going on. That's interesting. So, you know, Mark uses the term preternatural, which I like a lot, which is we don't know what it is, right? But um, someday we know too. Yeah, yeah. supernatural, paranormal. It's 
preternatural stuff we don't understand yet, but someday we might, you know. So Shirley Jackson coined it. So and I just love it. I think it's great. So nice. Do you think from I mean, having done this show, you've I'm sure not only with what you've heard in research, I mean, people come and tell you their stories all the time and things like that. Has that um, since that occurred to you when you were so young and you started the podcast, has that changed your view? Has hearing things made you, um, I guess the question I have is more like expansive to it or, you know, like one of the things Mark hates to do is we'll get all these videos of people who've seen UFOs, you know, and a lot of times it's just ring camera or, you know, Starlink or Starlink. You know, 90% of them are Starlink, Starlink. and I hate telling the people I'm sorry, yeah. it's our length. They hate me. So. Yeah, but do you do you find that it's become more real for you, or where where has it ended up now that you've got so many years under your belt of having interacted with this stuff? I believe that I'm still a skeptic, and by that I mean I don't believe everything that somebody tells me. Uh, I do believe a lot of times that they believe truly that that's what they've saw or or heard or. Or, or think that happened um, doesn't mean that they're lying by any means or that they're trying to get attention. It just means that maybe they saw something that in their eyes they couldn't explain. Doesn't mean that it's a spirit. With that being said, I probably have more questions now, seven years into doing extensive research than I had when I started. So, uh, you know, that's when people say they're experts in the paranormal field. I have to laugh because I don't think there's a such thing as an expert in the paranormal field or, you know, um, cryptids or anything else. I think there are people who know more yeah. than, uh, than than others, but I think they could be equally surprised pretty quickly in uh, in a certain situation. No, I, I agree, too. I think it's always interesting. We talk about when people you know, some of the paranormal shows and what's on TV and what people experience. And it's, and it's always interesting too, because you brought up your mother's mental health at that time. I, I think there is a, a, a huge um, cause and effect with mental health and some of the paranormal stuff, because we all know you can also get yourself so scared that everything is scary. You know what I mean? That things, pieces that are feeding into this gigantic vortex, so to speak, of paranormal if you had them individually, they wouldn't feed into that vortex. Not saying something weird didn't happen because I've had my own experiences, right? But it's definitely interesting when you place all of the dynamics and are not just looking for one, you know, trying to find one answer you want to have out of it versus having the whole thing kind of explained and being able to evaluate it that way. Hopefully that made sense. It made sense in my brain when I was saying it out loud. I followed it. I followed okay, it. Okay, good, good, good. good. There's a yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't paying attention. Can you repeat that? No, um, <laughs> no. no, I cannot. Sorry. Here, here's the one thing that I will say, and and that's true when you're talking about adults. Here's where I think it really comes. Um, it makes it harder to disbelieve right. when you're talking about mentally challenged people, uh, some children with autism, adults with autism. Um, I have a tendency to think that they have a little more open doorways and they can see things that maybe we can't. That's why, you know, I always wondered about, especially back in the early days of uh, mental institutions, back in the, 
you know, the 1800s, the 20s, the 30s of, of even, you know, the 1900s. How many people maybe actually saw something that when they told somebody, hey, guess what I just saw? They got locked away because they just, oh, there's no way you could have seen that. And in reality, they might have really seen that. There were some instances, uh, what's that, uh, uh, Paviglia Island out in um, off the course of Italy. They Italy. had a uh, uh, an asylum, for better term, there at one point in time. And I guess the, the, the doctor had ended up committing suicide. But there was a lot of patients out there saying they were seeing things. And if you know anything about this island, it's pretty much about 60% of the surface is people who have been buried there. Cause that's where, when there was an outbreak of any kind of illness in Italy, they would take the people out to that Island and bury them to keep them away from the main population. And then eventually they put a, uh, an asylum out there and put people. And then they start saying, Hey, you're crazy for what you're seeing. And it just always made me think maybe they weren't crazy. Maybe they were legitimately seeing things. And there was no way that people were going to take them serious because they were in a mental institution to begin with. Yeah, but no, it was probably it, one of the scariest places I've ever been. And that was, I was 19 and I didn't know any better. I was just there because our tour went there and it was just like, and then I'm hearing all the stories about it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And yeah, literally, you know, thousands of years people buried there. So. Yeah. And I think it's true is I also think it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about fear mongers and some of the other things. I actually had my neighbor today totally unsolicited um, bring up a fear, uh, a, a hat man, you know, a, a sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. um, I always call him the hat man, but the sleep paralysis, something that happened. And it was interesting because his story was he was a younger guy, not, you know, he's not a believer necessarily, right? But he was 19 years old. He was doing work for a deacon. And the deacon kept spouting about demons and how they were surrounded by demons. And he was actually about to get his church taken away from him or his deaconship. Or I don't know how that works. So whatever that is taken away from him because how much he was professing about demons. Right. And my neighbor ended up saying that somebody he kept waking up in the night with something putting its hands on his chest and holding him down and you know we've heard that hatman story and he said the moment he stopped working for this deacon that stopped happening to him hmm. so you also go are things attached to people in certain directions i i agree with you 100 percent because i talk about you know invisible friends versus imaginary friends with children because children tend to see things and then are told that they're not seeing them and you know you get what is that gas lit enough? You, you start going, okay, yeah. maybe I'm not saying, maybe that's not a real thing. Right. And, you know, I'm sure there's also on the flip side, mental illness, where some people do see things that they're, they're seeing and nobody else can see it. Not because it's a ghost or whatever, but because they have a situation that they can't, but it's, it's really interesting. And it's interesting to see what direction this is going to take with more and more technology coming to the forefront to be able to analyze information you know i'm a i'm a big believer that children with imaginary friends don't have imaginary friends i'm a big believer that that in most of those cases there's probably somebody they've seen because they haven't been taught yet that those things don't exist 
it's only as they get a little bit older that they that they real you know their parents or their guardians or their school teachers or whoever it is tell them there's no such thing as ghosts there's no this or that you know i saw a study um it, i think it's going up and it's probably because of all the ghost hunter shows but i saw a study when we first started doing a podcast that said only about 30% of americans believed in ghosts and that kind of blew me away because I I guess because we're around it all the time that I thought it would be much higher. And then I saw something, I think last year, that said that number was like 45%. So that number's going up, but it's still less than half of America. I Well, how many people do you know? We're going to have to take a break in a second. But how many people do you know that don't believe? But I've I've been in situations with people where they've told me stories about things happening to them. Yeah, but they're they don't believe. But, a ghost. but they don't believe. Yeah, they, they yeah. don't believe it was a ghost. There's a scientific yeah. explanation, and I'm like, you have a scientific explanation. Dish flew at your head, and I'm like, you let me know what that is. And I'm like, they don't. But I think that there's there are people that just don't believe. I think like Mark's amazing wife Carrie, who's sort of a ghost lodestone that nothing comes near her, so she'll probably she's never like she's it. like a ghost repellent. We go anywhere yeah. and nothing happens. And we go to the most haunted buildings in the world. Nothing happens. She steps outside for five minutes. All hell breaks loose. And everybody's like, what was this? I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah. But you also, I think, have the people that have been told that can't be the case. Or they're so afraid to admit. Because if they admit there is something else they're doing this, then they're not in control of the situation anymore. Right? If it's if it's science and it was a backdraft in the oven thing. And then that's why the butter dish flew it makes it way like easier to go and uh yeah you know, and, and and geophysics and stuff it's you know it's it's tremors in the earth that's what's earthquake and nobody else had it but that makes sense so that it's not a ghost <laughs> my my father will tell you he saw the ghost of his uh grandmother in her room and then in the same breath he'll tell you he don't believe in ghosts so sure. i don't yeah. i don't know what to do about that one Exactly. But those are the people that are answering, no, I don't believe in ghosts. To yeah, yeah, I, don't, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I saw three of them down by the river one day, but yeah, we don't believe in them. So, we were yeah. playing cards, you know, by the river and there, there, there it was. And... Exactly. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Erie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What are those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals. 
and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the US, Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. We're back, we're back, and we're sharing the fact that apparently Jerry, like Mark, likes to accumulate haunted objects. <laughs> and I'm back. There we go. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, a few things. I've got a, a, a brick from the Limp Mansion. I've got a uh, stainless steel a bedpan and a doctor's, uh, uh, what do you call it, the chart book, stainless steel, and a book, all from Waverly Hills. Nice. Uh and then, and then, like I said, I've got you name it. There's, there's all kinds of stuff around here that's uh, came from haunted houses, haunted locations. You name it. I've got, I've got it here. It's just yeah, we're gonna uh, have to like compare to notes. It. We're gonna yeah. have to compare notes at some point. I got my uh, my Andersonville mini ball and a few other things that I'm, I'm excited that I love showing off. So, is there any objects that you've brought in, Jerry, that you've noticed a change the moment you brought them into the house? Um. I wouldn't say that I've noticed a change, but I would say that I can't always assume that there's that that some of the bad luck because I have had a horrible year for medical and lost my dog and and I literally died on the operating table back in January for two minutes. And it, it has been medically. A, a super bad year. Like I said, our dog, who was part of our show, uh, had him for 10 and a half years. He got sick and died in March. So it's just like, you know, what else can go wrong? And then uh, 10 other things that we're not even going to talk about that just, it seems it's been a horrible year in every single aspect. Uh, but I, I can't pinpoint anything we brought in when all that started. It just, it just happens. So who knows? Uh, but Interesting. I don't, I don't. I, I'm a big believer in you create your own luck. I'm not a big believer in, uh, you know, things just happen. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe is maybe something's getting back at me for my teen years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or something. I'm glad you're still with us. So. Epic is on the horizon. I'm a firm yeah. believer in that. Well, and sometimes I mean, you have to go through a really dark phase to have a really, really cool thing happening. So well, um, very cool. Okay. So, um, do you get, I'm assuming you get a ton of emails and a ton of listener things and things like that for your podcast, right? A lot of communication from your fans. Correct. Um, is there anything that you investigated or looked into that really surprised you? Like you maybe thought it was going to go one way and then it completely went a different direction. I won't say this directly comes from like a, a listener communication. But as far as researching, one thing that I can definitely say my views have changed on completely are reincarnation. You know, when when I started doing the show, I was not a believer in reincarnation. I was brought up Catholic. That's just not something that, that was part of the belief system there. Knew what it was, obviously, just didn't believe it. Then we start doing these shows on kids with uh, past life memories 
And I think now we've done five of those shows. And in each one of those shows, there's three, four or five different stories uh, involved in them. So we've done several. And I just, I just can't now think that some of these stories don't prove that, that, that people have had past lives. Some of them are just so accurate and, and come from nowhere. I mean, when you've got a, a three or four year old kid talking about being in a fighter jet during, during world war two and going down and, and naming types of aircrafts and stuff when they've had no prior knowledge of anything like that. Or uh, there was the case, I believe, I can't remember if it was in Pakistan or India. It was one of those two. But the little boy was like four years old, and he kept talking about how he had a wife and kids up the street in, at another town, which was like 20 miles away in this town he'd never been at. But he knew the name of the town. He knew his wife's name. He knew his kids' names. He even said that he was killed by, by being struck in the head with an axe, and he was buried, and he named the killer. So a doctor finds out about this and says, he, you know, he was into the reincarnation. They take the family up there and come to find out they dug where the kid showed them and they dig up a body with an ax, the murder weapon right there. And where he had been hit in the head and killed, this boy had a birthmark in the exact same place. Yeah. They went and talked to the kids, the kid's supposed wife and kids, and he recognized them. He knew their names, even though he'd never been there. And then he, they went to the guy he said killed him, and the guy confessed to killing the man that was in the grave. And he was this kid was born like exactly a year after the murder, just enough time for gestation and and all that. You know, that's just one story that was that many accuracies. You know, there's a story, and I can't think of the I can't think of enough information to do it justice. But if you ever get a chance to go look it up. There was a young girl that swears she's reincarnated of Anne Frank. Oh, yeah. And that story is absolutely fascinating. She was wondering why in school at seven and eight years old, I think she might have been a little older, maybe 10. She was wondering why they were covering her story in her classroom. And they ended up going over there and she was able to guide them, even though they had never been from the country. I think she was in England at the time where she was born, she was able to guide them through the streets of, of uh, where Anne Frank's neighborhood was and guided them walking to the house. And then she was picking out things like there didn't used to be a staircase here or there was a staircase here. And she was told by the people there, yeah, there, that's right. That didn't, that didn't used to be a staircase or whatever the situation was. And she was asking about where are all the pictures that used to be on the wall of so-and-so? And sure enough, they had them, but they had taken them off the wall because I think one of them fell and they were wanting to put protective glass. But she knew things that she couldn't have known. This was like in the you know, early 90s, pre-internet and stuff. But I mean, there's just so many fascinating stories like that. There's no way I could not believe in reincarnation now. I, like I agree with you 100%. I've very firmly believed in that. You know, like the deja vu feeling. And I think that, Whatever reset happens when you die, I'm not even going to get into what the hell that is that gets you ready for the next time around. I think people get missed in that process sometimes. Whatever the memory, whatever we want to call it, right? The doesn't happen because you also have these kids that are born and three years old and can play 
the piano like they're Mozart or something like that, right? And that's not them being taught that. That's them bringing that ability from wherever the hell they brought that ability, you know? Because, and it's the same is true with math. And I think it's interesting because for me, I think it's almost degrees of one remembering completely who you are, like the Anne Frank girl and that other young boy in India. And then there are pieces, slivers that get through where they're able to do things from before they're you know like a five-year-old math genius i'm not saying you can't be really smart but to be able to do something some of these things there is no way you didn't bring that with you from before you know the same kids are you know eating play-doh in class like it's very different it's very weird (laughs) all right jerry i was gonna say we did one of those stories about a golfer who he was like this kid was like a fantastic golfer, like seven or eight. And he kept saying he was so-and-so. And then when they looked it up, that was a golfer who had died like 40 years before. But this kid had the same type of stroke when people were analyzing it. It looked the same type of swing and all that. That stuff, like you said, that stuff doesn't just magically happen. Yeah, yeah like the prodigies. Old, yeah, that one lady in London who uh, thought she was an Egyptian princess and she knew exactly where she was buried and knew where the tomb was. And, and she wound up working for the Museum of London as an Egyptologist. And she was able to translate things that they were never able to translate before. And she found the, her tomb, you know, the tomb of the princess she claimed to be. And uh, I love that. That's, you know, that's putting it to good use. All right, so Jerry, it's spooky season. Uh, what what scares you the most out of all of this? Oh, <laughs> you know, is this gonna sound very cliche? But I don't get scared by much. You know, we've been lucky enough to spend the night in a Sally house, which while we were there that night, <laughs> where there was a group of, of uh, investigators out of uh, uh, Nebraska. Chris Case runs them. He's got stuff on Amazon and stuff. He's he's a big time guy. And they were supposed to spend the night the next night. And some stuff they saw while we were there freaked them out enough where they refused to spend the night the next night. <laughs> But you, much like your wife, team stops. <laughs> much like your wife, I'm yeah. the I'm the one that walks in and nothing happens. Uh, so you know, I've had a couple of times where I experienced stuff, but it's never when I want to see it. You know, I've seen some stuff at Waverly, I've seen some stuff at Bobby Mackey's, but it's nothing that it's nothing that would be uh, have everybody on the edge of their seat. Trust me. And uh, so. When I walk in these places, I'm not scared. I went to bed at 11 o'clock at the Sally house where everybody else was staying up doing investigations. I'm like, yeah, it's 11. I'm going to bed. Or, <laughs> you know, when we go when we go on investigations, I think paranormal investigating is boring. Yeah. It's not that it it's not that it's it's got its fun moments, but you give me two hours of it. Show me a couple of flashlights go off and on a couple of rim pods, uh, a couple of EMF detectors go off. You know, I seen it. There you go. That's cool. That was pretty cool. I'm ready for bed. You know, I don't need to. I don't need to see flashlights go off until four o'clock in the morning or any of that. You give me a couple of hours, I, and I'm done with paranormal investigating. I, I, I definitely will give hats off to anybody that can spend four to six hours with this little little that actually goes on in between the events that do happen, and then they have to go through and look at all that tape and listen to all that. Uh, recordings for EMS. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah, you, no, I, I agree. 
I th I think yeah I you know TV makes it look like you walk in you have all these spooky experiences you run down the hall and you don't realize that that could be three or four days worth of shooting in a place that does it um if so what do you you know there's is there anything that you like to go do that you like to go see that you you find fascinating when you're out there doing those kind of things you know what for me it's the history part of it. Uh, you know, if I, if I go to the the Velisca axe murder house, I don't care if anything happens. It's just cool to be able to say I'm in this house where, where I've talked about this story and I've I've read so many details that went on, and you know that's what it's about for me. It's just about being there. You know, the experiences that's bonus stuff, but to to me, it's it's you know for some people. It's just like traveling. I mean, if you get a chance to go to the pyramids, you know, it's it's you're there just because, you know, not everybody gets to go and every, you, everybody knows about it. So if you're one of the lucky ones that, that they get to go, that's just cool as hell. You know, we got to go to the uh, Mayan ruins back earlier this year. And, and uh, to me, that was one of the coolest things I've ever, ever done. And, you know, it had nothing to do with ghosts or spirits or any of that. You know, so yeah, for me, if you give me a cool historic place, that's that's what I like. That it's just yeah. just knowing I was there with everything else that took place to know I'm at the same spot. Yeah. Footprints yeah. in the sand, right? Yeah. yeah. I know Mark loves that. I love the people. I love meeting people in areas and hearing their stories. And not like necessarily ghost stories or whatever, but you hear some weird crap if you sit down at a bar with people in a small town, like, you know, the place they hang out, not the tourist trap that they, you know, have down the street. I think that humans can be some very fascinating to be a part of. It's funny you mention that because people keep asking me if I'm going to write a second book. And my first book was more about me. So that's an easy one. You know, I, I've never written, uh, considered writing anything else. But I have said that if I do write another book, I'm going to go to all of the counties in my state. There's about 130 of them, I think. There's a lot of them. But I'm going to go to every county and I'm just going to go to gas stations and bars and whatever and ask people if they have a story. And that's what the book's going to be. It's going to be a random story from every county. But it's not going to be from the local. It's going to be, like you said, just average people in gas stations or whatever, because everybody has a story everybody has a story yeah that's when we did the first book it was you know truck drivers and fishermen and now it's you know and now it's everything you know you never know who's going to tell you what you know so well that and i think it almost brings the um not spirit like ghost spirit but the spirit of a place to life when you get to talk to somebody who's that's part of their upbringing or belonging like you talked about the axe house like people who live in that town and have had that as part of their culture so to speak you know because we think of it as a place to visit and then you just have these people that have experience that are, are living that you know it's they're nine I, to five yeah, yeah. They work there. yeah. <laughs> exactly it's very it was interesting because i was talking to a few people at the castles that we went to and stuff like that about their experiences by the way um 
castle employees do not want to tell you that it's haunted and their haunting experiences. They were like, it's a great tourist location. Have some <laughs> ice cream, right? Like, no. They don't want to go, don't go in this room. They might drop a chair on you. Um, so, <laughs> but it's it's very interesting, I think, to hear that. Um, so what what is, what is on the horizon for um, your podcasts and stuff like that? What are you excited to have coming up? We do a bunch of live events every year. And uh, by the time this one comes out, we will be getting ready to do our last live event, which is going to be with uh, Tony Merkel from the Confessionals podcast. We're going to be in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And we've already had to we've already had to change the venue to the third time because we keep selling out. Uh, So now now I think we're good to go. But that's September 30th. That's also Tracy and I's wedding anniversary. So, yeah, that's that's how we roll. I set up a a live event. Talk about a haunted stuff on our wedding anniversary. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I appreciate it fully. That sounds like something Mark would do. Yeah. Yeah. But we uh, have done that. a couple. I think uh, Carrie and I've done that a few times. So. Yeah. And we were at Scarefest one year on our anniversary. So what are you going to do? So. We also have a cruise coming up uh, September of next year, 2024, uh, leaving from Galveston, Texas to Mexico. We did this last year and went to from uh, Miami to the Bahamas, and we had um, a little over 100 people actually show up, and we're expecting a lot better turnout this year. Uh, We had 200 people sign up the first month that we set that up last year. So that's uh, going to be fun. It's a little bit longer when there's time, five days going to Mexico. And then, like I said, the the rest of it is just keep doing what we're doing. We put out a bunch of episodes every week. We put about six episodes out. So we're always working. And and, uh, we're getting ready to try to start revamping the YouTube page uh, and start doing some more on that and TikTok. So I'd say the thing we're most excited about in the next couple months is going to be the video aspects that we're going to start doing. So that's kind of it. That's exciting, though. I mean you know, growing and doing that. I mean, first of all, it's incredibly impressive what you've accomplished. Like, I think that mm-hmm. is totally- saw, my first week moving up here was there was an article in you about the, uh, you know, in the paper on you, you know, talking about building this media empire over in Tennessee. <laughs> so, oh, cool. I must've missed that. You'll have to send yeah, it to me or I'll tell me how to get it. It's it pretty happy because a local couple makes podcast empire. I'm like, I don't know if it's an empire, but they're pretty awesome. So- <laughs> He sent it well, to me. Really cool. If he forgets, I'll get it to you because, of course, he stalks you. That's 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 <laughs> just the truth. Just so you're aware, that's how that works. Okay, so um, what besides obviously the house, the haunted house you moved into? What is the absolute scariest place you visited? Scariest place. That's a good one because, like I said, I don't get scared. Yeah. I would I'm have to say you got scared, but even just the atmosphere, about the was, history of it. Yeah. The yeah. I mean, I I would be lying if I didn't say Waverly was, was near the top. I mean, it's Waverly is just one of those experiences that I think anybody who likes the paranormal should have to, to be able to come check out. It's just, it's a no brainer. And I think I think just the fact of uh, how many people who have passed away there, the experimental uh, stuff that was going on during the time early days of tuberculosis. Uh, I, I think I would have to, if I got a list one, I'm going to say Waverly. 
pretty impressive. And and the fact that it's just that it's a Kirk Bride asylum, so it, they all look so impressive when you go to them. Even, yeah. Even in, even in states of ruin like that one, they're still impressive as hell. So, if I had to put a second up, yeah, probably I'm probably going to put second and third, Pennhurst, another Kirk Bride, and Eastern State. I got wow. to see both of those the same weekend. Now the Eastern State I saw during their Halloween time terror in the uh and the walls or terror between the walls whatever they call it. So I didn't get to see the historic tour without all the dramatization, but that place is so eerie looking from outside. Man, yeah. it's just and Penhurst, we got to go through Penhurst with basically by ourselves. It was myself, Tracy, uh Dina Marie from Twisted Philly who knew somebody there and he oh, basically wow. said just go check it out. And she was leading us around uh, with with her fiance Jeremy, and so it was the four of us going through all these places. And she is a she is a, um, a Philadelphia history nut. She knows everything, so we couldn't have asked for a better tour guide to be going through Penhurst. She'd been through it so many times, done shows on it. She knew everything about it. That place was pretty eerie. So there's my top three for you. There you go. I, oh can't, I can't argue any of those. Those are definitely some of the scariest places I've ever been. So, what about the scariest story somebody ever told you, like wrote in or something like that? Something terrifying. Um, well, I, we've had so many stories come in; it's hard to pin it down. Okay, just uh, a good one. one. Well, but I'll tell you one that I really like. There we go. I'll tell you one that sent chills down my spine. Ooh, ooh. ooh. This is good. I can already wait. I already got goosebumps. Well, okay, let's Get your go. Coco ready, Erica. Get your Coco ready. <laughs> yeah. Richard Richard Surrett from uh, uh, Strange Planet told me this, and I'd actually heard the story before on another podcast that he had done about rock and roll uh, that was no longer out. He actually yanked all the episodes. Now that that series he was doing, he was supposed to be doing with a gentleman by the name of R. Gary Patterson. Um, R. Gary is one of my favorite people, probably number one out of authors and paranormal guests. He's my favorite guest I've ever heard on any show. He's a, He was in his 60s and he was a, a music teacher down in Tennessee. And he would cover like rock and roll and the occult. He did books on the Beatles. And I was a big Beatles fan, so that worked out good. Well, Gary and Richard were going to be doing this show together. And unfortunately, Gary passed away before they could get it going. They were in the talks and everything was set up and it, it was really unexpected. He wouldn't have really any health problems. It was just a heart attack. Richard tells this story about it was Memorial Day weekend. And he gets a call from Gary out of the blue. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. And Gary's complimenting him. Hey, you know what? You're just a really good guy, man. And and uh, I like everything about you. And and I think you got good things heading. And he said it was really just a strange conversation. They they talk all the time, but it was never that kind of a conversation. Like, where's all this coming from? And, you know, he was telling Gary the same thing. Hey, you're a good dude and all this stuff. And uh, this was like three o'clock, I think, on a Friday of Memorial Day weekend. And he says that Gary just starts bringing up all these odd things about life in general. So then he asked Gary, you know, to kind of change the subject. Hey, hey I know it's Memorial Day weekend. Now keep in mind, uh, Richard lives in Canada, so they don't celebrate it there. 
And he says, I know it's Memorial Day weekend. Are you planning on having a cookout? And he said rather curtly, which is the first time that he's ever got snippy with him. Gary, our Gary Patterson said, there'll be no cookout. And he's like, well, you know, hey, I'm sorry if I rubbed you the wrong way or said something wrong, you know. And he said, and again, Gary said, there'll be no cookout. And he said, he hung up the phone. That was pretty much it. So now he gets a call. I want to say it's Sunday. And it's somebody telling him that our Gary Patterson had passed away. And he says, you know, he's talking to, I think, Gary's son-in-law. He says, you know, I, it was so strange. I was just talking to him on Friday. And he said, I got to ask you something. He said, because it took me by surprise and how curt he was with this. But he had made the comment when I asked if they were going to have a cookout. He just abruptly was like, there'll be no cookout. And his son-in-law said, well, that's strange because... We had just bought a new grill. Matter of fact, on Friday, we spent half the day putting the thing together. So there was every intention on having a cookout. But Gary, I mean, uh, uh, Richard goes back and checks, and there's no phone call registering on his phone for that time where he had talked to him. And his wife heard him on the phone with Gary because they talked about it afterwards. No record of it. And he checked with the son-in-law and his son-in-law checked Gary's phone, our Gary Patterson's phone, and there was no record of a phone call on that end. Oh. Now, oh. I'm telling you, that's a creepy story, but until you hear Richard tell it, and oh. I had Richard tell that story because I got to interview him. We, could, we could actually did a bunch of stuff back and forth and it become pretty close over, to, over since then. And I heard him, he, I had him tell me that story when he was on and the way he tells it, it will send chills up your spine. And I don't get that very often. Oh, yeah. Oh, I literally had goosebumps on every piece of skin. Like every piece <laughs> of skin has goosebumps right now. That is, wow. That is amazing. And, you know, it's so interesting that some stories like that, you know, it's not scary. It's not something jumping out or trying to whatever. It's like, what? And especially when the wife or somebody else, you know, hears that. Like, you're not by yourself talking. It's, oh, ooh, so many. Okay, so many things. So many things going through my brain right now. Oh, okay. Well, Jerry, it was so amazing to meet you. I feel very yeah. lucky and honored that I got this opportunity to 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 converse with you. And and keep Mark at bay, which is, you know, like, a, it's a win, -win <laughs> for me on all these situations. <laughs> hey, I do, before I get off here, I do want to give a plug. I do have a second podcast. It's in the infancy stage. So okay. uh, we've only got like, I think, uh, eight episodes out right now. It's a bi-weekly, but it's called Wickedly Weird with Jerry and Amanda. And what oh. it is, is she she's from the Boston area. She's actually up in the, uh, the Triangle in Taunton. And uh, oh. that area up there has got all kinds of stories, but she's, she's got the uh, Boston accent and uh, you can imagine how that goes with my accent. And uh, she's a very, very funny young lady. And uh, we had a podcast before, but it was a little more adult friendly. Now this is uh this is, I'd say a PG uh, show. Cause there's a little bit of cursing, but we talk about stories from every genre 
And it's just every story we tell, she doesn't know the story. So she reacts to what I'm telling her. It's about a 20, 30 minute podcast. So it's quick and easy. And every story has some type of a strange plot twist to it. We've covered stuff like the Kentucky meat shower that happened in the 1800s. Crazy story there. We've covered uh, a 1979 time slip story. We've covered a, uh, uh, what, there was a gentleman that was actually convicted uh, of a murder because of some bugs that they found in the uh, in the uh, air filter of his car. But all these stories are just absolutely crazy that you're going to find yourself at the end saying, I can't believe that happened. So mm-hmm. that's what we do on there. And we did I the uh, the Berkeley, the Berkeley UFO story, the abduction story. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh, wow. Very. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're just we still scratched the surface on UFOs here, so it's been because uh, we went straight from Mothman into Spooky. So it was, uh, you know, we 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 skirted the Men in Black a little bit, but uh, that, okay. Mark is being a little inaccurate because we got called out for having demons on our back for debunking a little bit of Men in Black on one show, and yeah. so I think we're just avoiding having people tell us we have demons on our back for a little bit. <laughs> Understandable. You know, you got to yeah. love the fans. I'm yeah. going to call it a fan that said that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, Jerry, so so where can they find your shows are on basically all the podcast platforms, right? Yeah, any, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're on Spotify, Apple, um, uh, Google, any place you, you find us, we're, we're there. And if they want to see your live shows, should they just go to your website? Or... Go to our website. Like I said, we got one more left this year, and then we'll be at CryptidCon the uh, Saturday before thanksgiving in lexington kentucky and that wraps it up for us this year but you can get info on the cruise and the last show we got which is uh um september 30th so actually never mind because by the time this comes out that's already over over. that cruise if you've never done a crew a con cruise those are amazing because you know you get to go do con events and then you go on a beat very cool. I don't know if Mark just froze. I think he just froze on us. That can happen. Yay. It does happen. You know, it happens because he jinxed himself with the weather thing earlier. So with that said, Jerry, thank you so much for being here with us. It was an absolute blast to be on both of you. It's good to, to finally meet you, Erica. I've had the privilege of meeting Mark and his uh, lovely wife, Carrie. Got some artwork of hers right in front of me, just out of the camera's view. Oh, that is awesome. And yes, Carrie and Erica are separate people. We have to keep reminding people of that. But Mark, you froze, but I'm going to let you take us away, my friend. All right. Well, I'm going to say, everybody, please like, share, and subscribe and join all of uh, Jerry and his lovely wife. Uh, their, their, Their adventures are amazing. So go like and share for their stuff too. And for the rest of you, Keep watching the skies. Keep, you know, you know, make sure you check that closet before you go to get bed. And uh, and we'll see you on the other side.